0: 6:30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 6:30 Chad. Riley's going to the end zone. Touchdown
1: Eskimos! Darius Bowman with the TD. The steal by Connor McDavid. Ninety-nine points. Looking to make it hundred. Over the line. Dishes off. Factor score. There it is. That's a hundred points.
2: Edmonton's home
0: for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad.
1: There are some teams that if you put them in the same sentence... The word hate starts flashing in your mind, as in those two teams hate each other. Yankees-Red Sox, Lakers-Celtics, Packers-Bears, great rivalries in North America, and of course, right here in Alberta, Oilers-Flames. And yes, indeed, Eskimos Stampeders. And that rivalry set to be renewed in the Labor Day Home and Home. Starts Monday in Calgary, next Saturday, back at the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Thanks for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. This is a big one coming up for the Green and Gold. They're seven and two. Calgary is seven-one and one. First in the West. The Eskimos are third with Winnipeg. Sandwiched in between the two Alberta rivals, the Eskimos lead the all-time Labor Day Series 29-27 to with one game tied. And we're going to dive right in with Eskimos General Manager Brock Sunderland, who has been generous enough to join us tonight. Hey, Brock, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, I, I listed off some some classic uh, rivalries there. Uh, I mean, you've had a you've had a long uh, life in in, uh, in football. What anything? I mean, you can go back to when you were six years old if you want, or you can talk about the pros. What's a uh, What's a heated rivalry you've been a part of in any capacity?
3: Uh, well, several. My high school, ste versus Great Falls High. They're both local high schools, and then. Montana, Montana State, uh, I was at Montana, and then uh at the professional level, the Jets Patriots is pretty big, but this one rivals all of them. This is as important as they come, and a lot of breaking rights for the province, and uh, if you're not excited for this one, you shouldn't be in this industry. That's for sure. Uh,
1: look, I, I know you're you're a busy guy. Uh, you have been throughout your football career, but is there, is there any rivalry you simply have uh, have enjoyed as a, as as a spectator, you know, or an era? You're, like I remember some of those Yankees Red Sox series, and uh, you know, I guess 03 and 04. Uh, you know, even though baseball is maybe a little further down on on the list of sports I watch regularly, anything you've really enjoyed watching?
3: There's several. I think, again, being a football guy, growing up a Jets fan and then getting involved with the Jets, the the Jets-Patriots rivalry from when Parcells left New England to New York and then Belichick going from New York back to New England and then being a part of it uh, as a scout with the Jets and and upsetting those guys in New England after they demolished us on Monday Night Football in uh, 2010 was pretty special.
1: All right. Well, now you're a part of the Battle of Alberta. I I mean, you've been in the CFL, so so you know about it. But uh, have you already? I mean, has anybody come up to you? (laughs) And said, just make sure you win on Labor Day. Have you got any of that feedback from Eskimos fans already? (laughs) No, no one
3: specifically approached me and said, win these in particular. And and look, we realize the importance of these games and breaking rates and everything, but this season's a marathon. So uh, the season is not going to be determined by by these next two games, but it's certainly a huge step in stone to where we want to go for both organizations. And and the pride factor is a huge part of it. Like I said earlier, if this doesn't get your juices flowing, then, and you don't have a competitive fire for these and you shouldn't be in it so we realize the importance of it but we're also realists and understand that uh, we're halfway through the season and it's a marathon, not a
1: sprint. Well, and uh, seven and two is is a good record. I, I want to ask you about the the season in general, uh, but I want to ask you about about Friday night. That's t- you know, and I often talk to, to general managers, and and I think I've said this to you too. When the game starts, you sort of have that uh, uh, that that helpless feeling. I mean, do you look at Friday as saying. Uh, the injuries caught up to you? Do you look at it as saying everything that, that could could have gone wrong did go wrong, or how do you assess that game against the Riders? Well, I would say anytime you
3: have three turnovers for touchdowns, so you have a blocked punt for a touchdown, two interceptions returned for touchdowns, and then a, a blocked PAT return, that's 23 points, and we lost the game by 23 points, so that's a huge part of it. Not only do the points make it difficult to come back from when you're playing from behind, but turnovers are are the biggest momentum turners in football, so it uh, takes the wind out of your sails, and then you're down points. If we, uh, and then that first drive, we're going down the field. We fumble on a third and one, which we've been very successful getting. So we would like to think that we're going to get at least three out of that scenario. And all of a sudden, we turn over. They get seven. So you could argue that it's a ten point swing there. So there is uh, four to five turnovers that that are key components um, and they played well you know I, I should mention that first and foremost is hats off to Saskatchewan they played well and you can't take that away from them and I've mentioned this before probably in almost every interview I've done is that in pro football there there is no give me's and um, every team is talented and every team has professional coaches and every team has a scouting staff so everybody's good at this level no matter what the record is and I think a lot of times um, records and, and and what the overall opinion is about an organization going into a game are very deceiving.
1: You know, it's it's uh, it's that time of year at the halfway point and a little longer between games. So, so I know guys like me in the media and a lot of fans are sort of doing that uh, uh, reflection. How do you evaluate the, the the first half? I know you know Morley and Dave and I had some fun last night and actually do letter grades with each position, set. I know it's not quite that that, that cut and dry for you necessarily, but you know when you just look at at, at seven and two overall, and, and look, we all know usually that means you're in first place, but but oddly enough this year you're in third but uh, how would you sort of assess the, the first half of the season uh, overall, and, and especially maybe relative to your expectations?
3: Well, we're never surprised by our success. and I, I've said that before, and I'll continue to say, that every game we go into, we think we're going to win, and that's not a guarantee or, or being boastful. That's just the confidence we have on ourselves. And if we didn't feel that way, then we shouldn't be in the positions we're in. So uh, are we surprised we're 7-2? and two? No, we're not. We think we're, we're a talented club, and we think we have a lot of people that work extremely hard here. Uh, I think we have outstanding Players on the roster and our coaching jo- staff has done a tremendous job. So, um, well, we'd love to be undefeated. We'd love to be in the first place, um, but we're seven and two, and, and we're you know on pace to a fourteen and four record. Um, if you were to divide it up into two halves, and that a good pace, and we, we've put ourselves in a position where we control our own destiny, and that's what you want to do. We're not sitting here going, we need to win out or win a percentage of number of games left in the last nine to even get into the playoffs. So we've put ourselves in a very good position, and and that's what you can ask for at this point.
1: Eskimos General Manager Brock Sunderland joining us on Inside Sports there in Calgary on Monday. We'll have it on 6.30, Chet, 11.30 for the countdown to kick off The game will start at 1. Uh, Brock, I, I, I was debating whether or not I should ask you this question because I know the depth chart will come out the, the day before the game. Um, and with injuries, you, you, you never know how guys are going to heal and what can happen. But I'll, I'll ask you something very general, and you can chuckle and brush me off if you want to. Uh do fans have reason to be at least somewhat hopeful that maybe some players we haven't seated a while are, are getting close or might even to be able to come back Monday? That's as general as I could put it. <laughs>
3: that, that, that's very, you know, you're good at your job as well, because that's a very talented, uh, elusive way of asking. I'll, I'll answer it uh, in the same regards that we have some players that we're anticipating being back. We're hopeful, but as you said, every day things change, and, and we've gone into... The game weeks where we're down to the final rep on our last full goal practice and guys have gotten hurt, so I'm not going to indicate who the players are or where they're at. But yeah, we're we're hopeful that some of these key cogs are coming back, and and we're hoping they can be out there on Monday for sure.
1: Yeah, well, that's good, and I think that's you know people are 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 as as you are tired of reading all the additions to the injured list. They, they want to see it uh, getting a little bit shorter for, shorter for sure. Um, Brock, is there any status here with, um, uh, you know, well, I know you can't talk about specific players, but again, sort of a general question. At this time of the year, what is the process with guys who might be available from the NFL? Are we there yet? Would you be, um, you know, permitted to talk to guys who might be released right away? Or, or how does this generally work?
3: Well, you evaluate them first, and it's it's a longer process than most people realize. It's very rarely is a player cut from an NFL camp and after the preseason and then say, hey, I'm ready to go to the CFL. Usually what happens is those NFL teams tell those players, hey, hang tight. If we run into injuries, you're the first player we're going to call because you know our system and uh, it came down to either roster numbers or injuries at another position but we couldn't keep it, even though we wanted to. Or... They want to keep a player but he doesn't have practice roster eligibility left so what they'll tell these players and what the agents do is there's a tuesday workout circuit and every nfl team has tuesdays off and so they'll bring in anywhere from five to ten players that are out there who are recently active and just kick the tires run a 40 on do a physical see where they are athletically and skill set wise and the majority of these guys want to do that for at least two to three months and and uh, their agents are very resistant to sending them up here for the most part so it's a process it's usually a lot of times you're talking to them at their earliest expansion roster time um, but even then it's usually guys that have been out for a whole season where, where they kind of start to realize that NFL dream isn't as realistic as it once was
1: Okay. Well, no, that's a good explanation because that's the thing. You know, uh, you know, I'll always get texts at this time of year, and I mean, look, we know some of the uh, successful Eskimos who are down there getting looks, and I get is this guy coming back? Is this guy coming back? So actually, that's the most detailed explanation I've ever had of 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 that process, and, and like you said, why it's not uh, not not quite as straightforward. Brock, I asked you a question when we did this three or four weeks ago about uh, about character, and you gave a great answer about evaluating guys. And wanting to see how they handle stress, and uh, you know, talking to people and, and coaches and teachers from their past, and just getting a, an assessment of their attitude. Um, you know, I noticed, and, and this is not the first time I've noticed, but but you know, you're on the sidelines during a game. Was it really important for you to be down there on Friday and and, and see how guys were coping with a pretty tough situation? And did you learn anything about your team?
3: I, uh, you know, with this group, it wasn't important to be down there to see that because I know through and through who these guys are and what their character is and after the Winnipeg loss and, and again on Friday night uh, everything that was said by by Coach Moss, by the leaders of this team was exactly what they should say which is, it's a long season, we're not going to flinch they're a pro team too uh, Saskatchewan played really well we certainly didn't play our best So nobody was pouting, no one was throwing their helmet on the ground no one was flinching and, and there's no panic here, we're fine we're 7-2 and two and Uh, quite frankly there's a lot of organizations that would love to be 7-2 at this point so we're going to, we took one on the chin Uh, we're big boys, we're going to roll our sleeves up, get back to work, and things that happen on the Friday night are correctable, so it's our job to correct them and not pout, and that's the approach we're taking.
1: Yeah, well, this, uh, this, <laughs> this I mean, I always, you know, I kind of call it the era with, with Riley as the quarterback because teams are often defined about that, and it's never been uh, been a, a pouty team with Mike and some of the leaders uh, at the helm for sure. Hey, uh, Brock, thanks for, for doing this. I, I know you're very busy all the time, and you're ramping up here for a, a fun time uh, in Labor Day. And uh, I hope that that horse has... Nothing to run for on Monday. Sound fair? <laughs> I hope it gets a zero exercise, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Brock. We'll do this again soon. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That is Brock Sunderland checking in tonight, the uh, general manager of your Edmonton Eskimos. And, uh, yes, it, it's funny. 7-2 seven, seven and two is obviously a very good record. People are, uh, and me included to some extent, are a little bit uh, nervous given that the two losses have come consecutively, and now you got to play a very good Calgary team. But, hey, I love it. You got to see the test. You got to see how your team rises to the challenge, and a big challenge coming up for the Green and Gold. And I mentioned, you know, he mentioned it there during the interview, and I knew he wasn't going to talk about specific guys coming back from injuries. And unfortunately, things do and have happened in practice to this team. Um, but I, it seems like he's fairly optimistic that if all things, you know, kind of hold, you'll see some important players uh, coming back, or at least maybe a couple important players coming back for Monday against Calgary. Which would help. Uh, the NFL help, as he mentioned, whether you want, I mean, last year everybody was asking about Grimes. I know people are probably going to ask about Walker this year even if they're not on NFL rosters. It's not just as simple as them saying, well, I'm going to go back to Edmonton. Uh, I mean, they're probably going to continue looking for work south of the border. Thanks to Brock for coming on. This is Inside Sports on 630 Ched, Of course, your feedback or contributions or thoughts always welcome by calling 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. The email is inside sports at 630 chedcom And you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K- INS. Uh, we'll update that situation in Hamilton with Art Bryles when we get back inside sports on Eskimos Radio 630 chat.
3: This is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
1: Well, speaking of injuries for the Eskimos, there's one of the uh, most unfortunate ones, JC out for the season. Eskimos and uh, Calgary coming up Monday. You know, we're going to have a hockey broadcast next Friday, by the way. September 8th, we're going to have one of the Oilers Young Stars games from the tournament in Penticton. Also, the Oilers are uh, releasing more tickets for all their home games next Thursday, September 7th at 10 in the morning. Again, these are expected to go very quickly. You can get them on Edmontonoilers.com or the Oilers mobile app. This is Inside Sports. On 6.30, Chad, we are the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. You can text 6.30, 6.30. I have, I have a question, and uh, this is an honest question. We'll have some little, uh, some fun with this throughout the show tonight. Uh, as you know, if you listen to the show, I did not grow up in Edmonton. I grew up in the uh, mighty metropolis of Evansburg, about 100 kilometers to the west. So obviously didn't attend high school here, but came to go to university and all that fun stuff. So my honest question to you, texting six thirty six thirty, uh, what what are the heated high school sports rivalries in Edmonton, either current or maybe an era in the past? Uh, I never I never I never played. Sometimes we talk a little about high school sports on the show, but uh, you know, obviously not a, not a great deal. Uh, I know Harry Ainley uh, is generally known for basketball. I think. Uh, Ross Shep, I think, has been a pretty good sports school traditionally. Over the years, I'm, I'm probably offending some of your uh, some of your old schools. For those of you I'm not mentioned, so give me, give me a, let me know what what's what's the rivalry? Maybe you, maybe when you played high school sports, who did you like to go up against? I'm sure there's high school coaches out there or current high school students or athletes. Who's your chief rival? Who has the most heated high school sports rivalry in the city? Help me out, Kellen. You you went to Emmy Lizard. Yes. Were you not the mascot at Emmy Lizard? Yes. Uh, but you're you're not. You, you, we were talking to the person. You're not quite sure. I, I'm I mean, not. This was, this was 15 years ago, right? Yeah. So you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you and you were encased in that mascot costume. <laughs> well, and a so, lot has
0: happened since then too. What, you know.
1: well, Amy Lazerts the Tigers? Uh, no, the Voyagers. McNally's the Tigers. Yes. See, that's the thing. I'm not. I, I, I'm a little. They're both little...
0: orange and black in the cor- color scheme. Just the uh, Voyager has the uh, silver in it now too. Okay. So.
1: So, uh, so you went to Emily Lizard. Mm-hmm. You were the mascots. You don't remember necessarily like fighting other mascots, or
0: no? I don't think it ever got to that. Um... <laughs> you had a mascot rivalry. Yeah, I'm not sure. I can't remember now. I know there were some instances with East Glen that
1: got a little heated, but I'm not sure if they were like our chief rival or not. But uh, Ross, Shep and Jasper place in basketball. Uh, Somebody else texting in Jasper Place and Ross Shep. Are those the two powers now in high school sports? Jasper
2: Place and Ross Shep? I'm not sure I'm not a high school Oh, this is great. Uh,
1: (laughs) A guy I used to play against in high school volleyball. Uh, Hinton Rockies versus the uh, Grand Trunk Grizzlies. Mike was uh, an outstanding athlete on the Hinton team. Absolutely. All right. 6.30, 6.30 is the text line. We'll uh, keep having fun with the high school rivalries as we move along tonight. A little uh, mid-season CFL roundtable. Who to watch in the second half? What would you like to see changed about the league? Julio and Mike coming up. This is Ryan Neeson-Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. Got the Blue Jays and the Red Sox on the tube here, already into the top of the sixth. Boston up one nothing. Of course, the Red Sox uh, already up to 74 wins on the season, three-and-a-half game lead on the Yankees for first in the AL East. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, Inside Sports on 630 Ched. Uh, the Eskimos will be uh, back for formal practices uh, on Thursday, but uh, I think some film work and uh, workouts and uh, all that kind of fun stuff keeping in shape has been going on here throughout the week ever since they lost to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Going to bring in a couple of guys for a CFL round table in a minute, but I want to go back to the text. Line. First of all, thanks to everybody who texted. I, I put it out there and because I, uh, I, didn't, uh, I didn't go to high school in Edmonton uh, and even if I did it been so It would be so long ago I would have forgotten what's the who who was your rival in high school? Uh, what are the the, the the two schools known for sports that, that go head to head? a lot of texts for Ross Shep and uh, Jasper Place. Uh, LeDuc and Beaumont. There's one from just south of the city. I I love this text. Uh, This person says I went to Wagner, class of 99. We always got riled up to play J. Percy Page as they were the other Millwood school. That was a good rivalry, but we absolutely hated Bonnie Doon, now known as Vimy Ridge, because their players were always huge and beat up on us. I think one game against Bonnie Doon, we lost by 60 points in a football game and had four of our players sent to hospital. I don't know if one One high school team could hate another as bad as Wagner hated Bonnie Dune. That is a great text, and uh, unfortunately, I don't know if Bonnie Dune would have seen the rivalry the same way if uh, if you're winning games by by sixty points, but th- there's some passion in that text. I like that one. Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on six thirty. Ched, pleased to welcome uh, a couple of fine gentlemen to the show. Julio Caravatta, who's a color analyst for the BC Lions, former CFL player himself. Julio, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, bud. How are you doing? Great. And we also have Mike Hogan on the line, play-by-play voice for the Toronto Argos. Mike, you're on with Reed. Good to have you on again.
2: Good to be on with you, but you didn't tell me Julio was on the show or showed up. <laughs> or it would, would have been lights out. would have been lights out, for sure. jeez. You talk about rivalries with high school.
1: Oh, jeez. <laughs> Lions Argos thing going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let me ask you, Julio, I'll start with you um, because, you know, you obviously played in the league. A rivalry that you were a part of as a player, and maybe for you it does go back to high school. I don't know (laughs) that you still remember as being like, God, I hated those guys.
0: Oh yeah, well, you know, obviously was you know playing in the West. You mean the Edmonton's and Calgary's were uh, were obviously you know bitter rivals, but you know, I mean, uh, we got it handed to us most of the time by those two teams. So I don't know how much of a rival it was, Uh, but I remember back from my high school days. uh, Richview Collegiate and Scarlet Heights and and, uh, Scott Mellenby, who played in the NHL for a lot of years, was uh, at uh, Richview Collegiate. We had a lot of fun battles on the basketball court. uh, But, yeah, no, I hated Richview and everybody at my school. You know, it it was a heated, heated rivalry between the two.
1: Uh, Mike, I, I mean, I'll ask you from more of a broad pa- broadcaster's perspective. And, and look, I guess maybe Toronto Hamilton is the obvious one, especially if there's a year when both teams are uh, are, are having a good season. Are, are those some of the most heated games maybe you've called or, or covered, or, or maybe earlier in your career? I'm sure you're like me; you covered some college or high school or university sports. What comes to mind?
2: Well, Laurier Western games were a lot uh, of fun when I called the Golden Hawks, and uh, you know, for the fans, I think it's the, the Hamilton. Uh, Toronto won and maybe at a certain time um, uh, you know maybe a decade ago, that was pretty heated. But I think for the last decade, anyway, it's been the Argos and the Alouettes. It's been absolutely brutal that every time the Argos looked like they were going to take that next step in the playoffs, there was Anthony Calvio and Company to just kick them right in the rear end. and uh, uh, man, those games got really heated. So just just from my perspective as, a, as sort of a fan or a, uh, a partial observer, uh, I, I guess I should say, uh, those are those Argonaut Alouette games are just awesome.
1: Yeah, well, you know it's 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 fun uh, it's fun having the Labor Day games and the rematches for uh, for I guess three of the the games that we're going to see uh, this weekend. And uh, you know a lot of people say that's when the CFL really get gets a lot more intense. But we, I wanted to have you guys on here for a bit of a midseason sort of a roundtable uh, discussion, get some perspective from outside of Edmonton. The first question is is a straightforward question. I, I don't know if there's a straightforward answer. We'll see, Michael. Start with you on this one. Who's the best team so far?
2: Uh it's it's, it's obviously a team from the West. Um, I'm going to lean uh, Calgary at this stage. Um, you know, with no disrespect to Edmonton and Winnipeg, and those would be the other two teams that I would think about at this stage. Um, I just, I, I you know, Calgary's there's still that aura around them, and uh, they just seem to do everything well. Uh, they don't do anything maybe exceptionally well, except maybe pound the football when they need to, but I just, that, that's a team to me that just doesn't have a weak spot. Uh, and If they get a home game in the playoffs or um, you know, that's, that makes them even tougher. So if, if, if you put a gun to my head right now, I'd have to say Calgary.
0: Julio, what about you? Uh, and I'm not just saying this because uh, I'm on Edmonton radio, but I, I, I think the Edmonton Eskimos, and, and the reason I say that is that um, when they're healthy and they have been devastated by injury, um, that line of scrimmage for me, both offensive and defense, especially on the defense, uh, there's nobody better, and um, they can control a game. Uh, I, you know, I, you know, I don't see. I mean, I have to agree with Mike in a sense that the Calgary does a lot of things really, really well, but haven't seen them a couple of weeks ago. And a Bo Levi, they were coming off a bye week, and uh, he really had an off game. I don't know. There's just something about that team that just they, they just don't have that that same kind of, you know, firepower that they once had, that, you know, I mean, you knew that if, you know, you play them and, 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 and they're on you they're going to drop 50 on you. They, to me, they just don't have that same aura around them. Um, but as, as I said, Edmonton to me, with that line of scrimmage, I, I'm just a, such a huge fan of Armando Sewell. I just don't think yeah. the guy gets enough credit in this league uh, for how good a player he is. Um, but man, oh man, uh, when they're going up front on that defense, they're
1: a tough, tough team to beat. Yeah. Well, you said the key words with the Eskimos, which was which was when healthy.
2: I don't know if we're ever going to yeah. see
1: that this season, but uh, yeah, and
2: that has something to do my, with my answer, obviously. I mean, if, if Edmonton's healthy, I mean the way they started the season. Uh, uh, it, it's a lot more difficult decision, but they're not healthy, and, and that's that's more than a bit problematic.
1: Yeah. Okay, so I'll throw this one at you then, Julio, I'll start with you this te- this time because there there have been some interesting teams surging lately and maybe a couple <laughs> teams lurking where you feel like they're not quite playing to their potential. Who's a team to watch in the second half?
0: Uh, um I'd have to say you know, and, and not that the I, you have to watch them because they their their records still is still very very good, but you know Winnipeg's one of those teams that they're they're just so well coached um and you know they just they're scrappy, they don't give up uh you know, I don't think that any that that anyone's gonna be surprised by Winnipeg but i I really think that uh you know, they're a good football team. And as I said, they're very, very well coached. Paul Lappelis has done a great job with that offense. And when Matt Nichols is going and they're moving it with Andrew Harris, both on the ground and in the air, they're
2: they're a tough team to, to play against. Mike? I'll, uh, I'll concur with uh, with Winnipeg. If you're just talking pure entertainment value, um, you know, if there's one game uh, every week that, uh, you know, from my perspective, doesn't involve the Argos, that I want to sit down and make sure I – uh, I have a nice cold beer in hand and, and just sit back on the couch and watch. I, I find Winnipeg uh, because you never know what they're going to do. Um, Mike O'Shea exploits the rule book better than any coach since Don Matthews, <laughs> and he's he's just a genius. He really is a, a Canadian football savant. And Lapalisse uh, now has a little bit of more freedom with, with Mike, uh, you know, kind of uh, being in the same mindset where if he wants to try something, uh, they're going to let them try it. Uh, if you're looking for a team to watch in the second half that maybe underperformed, now that uh, you know the team that Julio covers has its, maybe has his quarterback sorted out, um, uh, I, I just see that air show. That's that's another reason to watch them uh, when they get those three receivers going. Holy smokes, that's a fun team to watch.
1: Okay, well, that's a good follow-up question for you, Julio. I- is it sorted out uh, in in Lion Land? I mean, is this is this all Lule all the time well, now?
0: Yeah, no, I think uh, Lule's, uh, you know, I think Lule's proven to Boale that, and, and you know, there's just, when you watch the game, there's just, Lule's playing at a, at a different level right now than Jonathan. Jonathan is, is going through a stage where he's just, I think, overthinking things, and for a young quarterback, he just, it, it's got that doubt that that's creeped into his mind, and, and, you know, to his defense, and and it's always the case, you know, the quarterback always gets too much credit, and they, and they take too much of the blame. You know, but he 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 hasn't gotten much help. You I mean he's had some key drops at at times what really would have helped him. And um, you know, it seems that offensive line breaks down at critical times. The thing, guys, for me is that with BC and and you know, obviously, you know, seeing them up close and personal, that they, they have a lot of great skill. Um, but I just I, what concerns me is their 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 line of scrimmage play. They just it's a little too inconsistent for me right now. And if they can turn that around, if they can find a way to you know to control the line of scrimmage, then you're right they're, they're a team that you're going to have to watch and, and travis uh, you know proved at the beginning of the year that he he's you know more than capable of putting that team on his back so they they, they should be interesting, but I still think that they're they are a couple of pieces away from from really being, I think, a contender.
1: You know, it's interesting, guys. Uh, I, I, you, this may surprise you. There are two or three Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans in in northern Alberta, <laughs> and uh, they're probably sitting there. What? How do you say the Riders aren't a team to watch after after the last two weeks? The the thing for them, and I, and I know the CFL is a league where six of nine teams make the playoffs. But but I mean, with the way the West is this year, Mike, that that start could hurt the Riders because they got to climb over a few teams to try to get in. But I but I wonder. I think some Chris Jones things are are really starting to click there.
2: I know a lot of people don't like Chris Jones, and and I got to know him a little bit when he was here in Toronto. I really like Chris Jones. You know, he is who he is, and in a league that sometimes is is desperate for personalities, he's one of them. Um, he just. He just, you know, who he is, and you know, he loves, you know, what kind of football he loves, and he, know, he loves that smash mouth defense, and you know, what kind of players he likes, and that's that's Jones. I, I, I I'm not saying that they aren't an entertaining team to watch because they certainly are, but, um, you know, uh, you asked me for one, and I, w- I went, I with Winnipeg just because uh, they're a little bit more unpredictable, I think, than the Saskatchewan is.
1: That's Michael. Yeah, oh, sorry, Julie. I think sorry,
2: like, you know, I mean, with with, with with Jones and
0: defense, I mean, I don't think that that's going to be the problem for me. Um, you know, and, and it's unfortunate, but it's the reality is that, you know, Kevin Glenn, to me, has to prove that he can take that team all the way. And, and you know, uh, until he's able to do it, then he's always going to have that hanging over his head. So whether or not he can be consistent and he can take that team over the top, um, you know, obviously the last couple of games they put up a lot of points that their defense has really helped them. but you know, whether or not he can do that game in and game out, that's still yet to be seen so I, I still, there's still some question marks there for me.
1: So that's
2: Julio Caravan Oh, sorry Mike. We, I was going to say, isn't it funny that we, and, and I'm with, I'm, you know same reasoning, but here we are doubting a quarterback with 51,000 yeah. <laughs> It's true. That's it's it's, it's the
0: funniest thing. It is It's the funniest <laughs> thing. I, whenever I bring it up, people say that to me but I, but it's true, right? It, it's true. Yeah. Like he, he just hasn't been able to, you know, he hasn't been able to win a championship. So you know he puts up numbers, and there's no question. But I mean, until he's able to to do that, until he's able to take his team to to a to a championship, then I think he'll always have that doubt. And that's that's unfortunate because you're right. You you almost sound like a fool when you say it because you look at his statistics, you think, oh my God, the guy's got over fifty thousand yards passing. But still, um, he has the one thing that he desperately wants is, or he doesn't have is a championship.
1: So that's Julio Caravada, color house for the BC Lions. Mike Hogan is also on the line, play-by-play voice for the Argonauts. A couple more for you guys here as we kind of do some mid-season thoughts for the CFL. This one will be uh, an off-field one, uh, and it'll be interesting to get your perspective, uh, guys. Uh, Randy Ambrosi, how is the new commissioner doing very early in his tenure? Mike? Uh,
2: 11 out of 10. I mean, uh, I find it difficult to find something he hasn't touched that hasn't turned to gold. Most recently, uh, the situation last night where he drove to Hamilton, uh, which is, uh, for those who haven't been around, it's about an hour's drive with no traffic. Which means normally it's about a seven-hour drive, <laughs> uh, but he uh, you know, he was able to make it down to Hamilton and and, and sort of talk some sense into into the tie cats for the decision about our Bryles. And I I don't know if we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but um, you know he 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 handled that perfectly. I love the fact that he saw two games where he didn't like the way that coaches were exploiting um, the video replay system and said, okay, one and done. And he just said to Glenn Johnson after one of the games, get this done. And he said that to Glenn on a Saturday, and by Wednesday they were making the announcements after a Board of Governors meeting on Monday night that uh, that they were making a change mid-season. Um, that's the guy who gets things done. And, uh, you know, the diversity T-shirts and that campaign, man, That's if those are the three tests he's had so far, that's a natural hat trick. Yeah, I, I couldn't
0: agree more. Uh, I, Mike's a bang on. Um, he's been absolutely unbelievable to this point he's been on point uh... you're right about what happened yesterday uh... I mean that was a storm uh, that i'm sure hamilton was not expecting and uh... you know and and good for him for fixing it uh... and making it right um, you're right with the diversity campaign, it was outstanding. Mm-hmm. And, and the one thing I, I'll say, and, and I also agree totally with that, with him fixing the challenge system because it was, it was, you know, that was I was a part of that. That you know, our, the Lions were a part of that that two game stretch there where they there was one point during that their, the game that they played that night there was there was four challenges in, in two minutes and 39 seconds. It was yeah. ridiculous. So he fixes the, he fixed that. But you know the other thing too, guys, that you know those those things have been tests. But for me too. It seems like everywhere I go, uh, when I travel or whether I'm, he's there, and and mm-hmm. it's you know I mean he's shaking hands, he's upstairs in the press box, he's talking to people, he's just is and, and you know I know that uh, the, the former commissioner is you know he had a lot of good things and bad things, but it, one of the things that I just didn't like I just he wasn't visible enough. And mm-hmm. and so now, you know, Randy's been out front. He's shaking hands, like I said, and, and he and he wants to know what the issues are, and he's talking to the fans, and, and he's reacting to that. And to me, that's that, that's that been just absolutely on point and exactly what the league needed.
1: All right, guys, uh, one more. Thank, thanks for being so generous with your time. I had a couple other oh, things no problem. I wanted to get to, but uh, I'll end on this note. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give my quick two cents here, and listeners to this show will know I've been beating this drum for a couple of years. Uh, one thing you would change about the league, it can be a rule, it can be uh, an off-field thing, it can be uniform colors, whatever you want. And, and mine is, I really think it's time, and, I, and we started talking about rivalries, and I know they're important, but mine is, uh, I'm really ready to see the divisions go out the window to have a nine-team league where you just rank the teams one through nine, uh, and the top six get in, and the top two get a bye, and, and you do the playoffs from there. I really would change that, uh, Julio. What would uh, what yeah. would your change be?
0: He already did it. <laughs> the, the review yeah, he already did it. Okay. With, you know, I mean, I was just getting so frustrated with the challenge system and. Um, and and more more importantly, I was getting very very frustrated with the command center, and the fact that you know what you see as a football fan and and uh, on on television and looks as plain as day is being overturned or they're changing a call. You're thinking, how is that possible? Um, and so I know that there there's going to be a lot more done in the off season, but I think too that like, there has to be, you know. There has to be more of a practical sense when you're interpreting those rules, and, and the two that are, are the, obviously are the pass interference and the illegal contact. And the yeah. other one was is the roughing the passer. You know, what I mean, uh, the, the roughing the passer to me was always the intent was you didn't want to you you didn't want to leave the quarterback unprotected. You didn't want to leave him where you had defenders lowering their crown of their head into his head area and or the knees. Um, but I'm just. It just frustrates me for these defensive linemen that are that are working their rear ends off to get to the quarterback, and you pass by him, and your hand brushes up against his head. Or, you know, you can see it on replay that it's just a brush, or, you know, it's something along those lines that that is considered roughing the passer. I was just like, you got to be kidding me. That's not the intent of the rule. So, I'm, I'm hopefully, there, for me, they're going to change that, and, and, and just be, you know, more practical when they when they interpret some of those rules, because I, I don't like the way some of them are interpreted.
1: Mike, believe it or not, you get the last word. <laughs> well, with, with Caravaggio, going to take it
2: anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, it's, it, basically, I, I'll, I'll concur with everything Julia said. And the one thing, it's, it's not really a rule change, but it's just the enforcement of the rules. And, and sometimes, and we say this in every sport, oh, I wish there, there was a consistency with high sticking in hockey, or what's a hook? And you know, what's the strike zone in baseball, but it's just the consistency of the calls. And, um, you know, the, um, the roughing the passer, passer thing is, it, it drives you nuts sometimes because you'll see just somebody go by and do a drive-by and just uh, touch a guy and there's a flag, and then you'll see a guy that's borderline really late and a guy just rolls into the, to the, the floor and you go, man, why wasn't that 15? So, it's just the consistency, and I know it's an incredibly difficult thing to do to officiate any sport. But uh, I think that's all you can ask for is consistency. Rules come, rules go. Uh, I'm not really banging the drum over anything that I like or don't like at this stage, although something will probably develop. But, uh, man, I just, I just want to see the consistency. I think that's all anybody is. As a, as a player, as a coach, as a fan, as a broadcaster, that's all you want. Yeah. Well,
1: guys, uh, it's been an entertaining first half of the season. Hopefully there are more thrills here from uh, Labor Day onward. Julio, thanks for joining us, Mike. Always great to have you on the show. Maybe we'll surprise you with another uh, mystery co-guest next time, okay? I love it
2: about Julio, I'm <laughs> There we See go, you, guys. <laughs> Take care, guys.
1: Right yeah. on. Thanks, guys. Mike Hogan is the play-by-play voice for the Argos. Julio Caravada, former quarterback in the league and the analyst for the BC Lions. Great thoughts uh, from those guys. I-, I think they make some really good points about roughing the passer and maybe you know a a tap on the shoelace doesn't uh, doesn't have to be considered a low hit and a 15 yard penalty you can text 630 630 oh i got uh, a couple suggestions from listeners and uh, some interesting uh, rivalry talk on the text line as well we'll get to that This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. Alright now 2-0 Red Sox leading the Blue Jays bottom of the 7th I also want to let you know Prairie Junior Football Conference. Huskies and Wildcats will play each other Sunday at 1 at Clark Park. Huskies 3-0, Wildcats 0-3. Always a good showdown when the two Edmonton teams go at it. FC Edmonton is uh, on the road this weekend at North Carolina, 5.30 on Saturday. Uh, FC Edmonton uh, having a good fall season so far, third in the fall standings. They have eight points in uh, five games. Uh, As we uh, told you, just as the show was ending last night, Art Bryles, uh, not hired by the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, CEO of the team, Scott Mitchell, apologizing for the decision to hire Bryles. He was fired by Baylor University last year in the wake of a sexual assault scandal. Mitchell says he regrets the decision to make the hiring in the first place. Clearly the timing was was inappropriate. I think that it was a poor decision then retrospect we shouldn't have made. You know, everything we do here demonstrates great community will. Everything we do in the community we're very very sincere about it and I think uh, clearly we missed the mark in terms of the message we were sending. Also, Canada West football getting ready to go. We'll talk about that with Evan Dom from Canada West Conference when we get back. By the way, uh, chatted with Chris Russell from the Oilers yesterday. You can get that story on 630Ched.com. Coming up to the 7 o'clock news, Inside Sports on Ched.
0: 630
1: Ched, Inside
0: Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Ched.